Welcome to the first ever episode of the Unsettled Podcast, a podcast for those who are looking for answers. Over the next six episodes, I will be taking you on a journey about faith and religion. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the gap between faith and doubt. In our culture today, there is a gap between faith and doubt. There are those who strongly believe in God and the fact that he exists. And then there are those who strongly doubt that there is a God. First, for those who have faith in God, there comes a time, storms, challenges, hardship, the death of a loved one can test a person's faith. Some people will vouch they believe in God, but at the same time, they will tell you that when bad times come, they feel like not trusting God at all, or even anymore. Or they have a hard time trusting God in difficult moments. To those people, I say faith is a journey. Faith is that which relates us to God. Sometimes, there will be bombs on the way. At other times, there will be victories. You know, challenges along the way come to unsettle our faith. But it is okay to be unsettled. Being unsettled is the place to start from until you firmly settle in Jesus. On the other hand, there are those who are very skeptical or doubt that there is God. Interestingly, some, not all of them, once believed until something bad happened. And then they walked away from the universal church. Basically, they deconverted or their faith got deconstructed. Deconversion is when a person rejects his or her beliefs and stops participating in any activity related to that faith. And they also have no roadmap of getting restored to faith. Usually, there are a multi-step experience a person may go through to transition from the faith they once professed in God to doubt or unbelief. It, it just doesn't happen. They might have gone through some challenges, some difficulties. Sometimes nobody may know it, but eventually, they switch, and then they walk away from God. Experiencing doubt from time to time will happen in the life of every believer. In general, people who have doubt are skeptical of truth claims made by others. It is fair to say that usually we all have a certain level of doubt that help us live normal lives. We question what we need to question so we can make right decisions. If somebody made a promise to you, they'll give you something that you're not sure about, it will be okay for you to question their motives. However, 
We don't live life questioning basic things that are obviously true for the rest of our lives. For example, you are listening to me now. If you doubt that this is true, you have a philosophical doubt. This is the kind that rejects all knowledge claims. It is very radical. And for some, no amount of evidence will move them. Sometimes, people have this kind of doubt because they perceive wrongly. Because we're human beings, we have a limitation even the way we perceive things. So for those with this radical philosophical doubt, who will not be moved regardless of any evidence, sometimes because there's something wrong with how they are perceiving things, or because they are being misled by how they reason. The gap between faith and doubt or unbelief is getting wider in our culture today. While there are several factors to this, I would like to consider two major causes or factors in this episode. The first cause why there is a gap between faith and doubt is a misunderstanding of faith itself. Because what we believe affects our conduct or our behavior, having a right understanding of what faith really is will determine whether a person stays with God in bad times or leave him. It is sad to say that most Christians in the church today have an unbiblical understanding of what faith is. This lack of understanding, at least, could be responsible for two things. It could prevent those believers from winning others who have doubt or unbelief to the Lord because of how they go about explaining what faith is to the unbeliever. They could also walk away from the faith because they never properly understood what faith was in the first place. Now, when you go to Hebrews 11, 1, it says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Some Christians have mistakenly interpreted this to mean when it comes to God, you don't need to know anything. No evidence. One must just believe and it will be all right. If you ask, for, if you ask more questions, you are labeled as a skeptic or an unbeliever. You don't need to ask questions. Just go with it. In other words, faith means believing in something we cannot know. But I'm sorry to say that this is not the faith the Bible teaches. If a person does not know something, it doesn't mean they are full of faith. In other words, the opposite of not knowing is not having faith. The opposite of not knowing makes you an ignorant. And this view is part of the reason why the gap between faith and doubt keeps getting wider. It is also part of the reason why some Christians leave the faith. Because humans will naturally not accept something they do not have a good reason to believe in. 
You see, if you are told, just believe, go with it. Don't ask too many questions. If you ask too many questions, you're just doubting God. It, well, it is not safe to believe in anything you don't have good reasons to believe in. So from the text we just read, faith is the substance of things hoped for. This means faith is something real. It is a substance. Faith is not nothing. The second part of the text we read says that the evidence of things not seen. This means faith is evidence. However, in the second part of the text, it said, it is unseen evidence. Therefore, I believe biblical faith is a reaction to evidence, seen or unseen, material or immaterial. So, on the other hand, there are two aspects to faith. There is an aspect to faith that we can see, and then there is an aspect to faith we cannot see. So this is why when Thomas requested for a seen evidence, when Jesus died and resurrected and appeared to the disciples and Thomas wasn't there, when Thomas had come and they asked him and they told him the Lord has appeared, well, he told them, I don't believe it. I have to see it. So what Thomas was asking for was a material evidence. Now, don't forget that there is an immaterial evidence to faith. But when Thomas had requested for a seen evidence, a material evidence, Jesus did not deny Thomas, but revealed himself to him. Except Jesus said that, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is John 20, 29. What Jesus meant is that those who believe based on unseen evidence are blessed. And that is true in the church. Some of us were born in the church. We grew up in the church. We went to Sunday school and youth ministry in the church. We were taught in the church. And then we grew up in the church believing Jesus is Lord. We actually came to believe with our heart what we were taught. We didn't need much of evidence, seen evidence. We came to faith based on an unseen evidence. And the unseen evidence here is the name of Jesus, what he's able to do. So, for example, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he's the only one who forgives. I believe his name is greater than every name. Jesus becomes my unseen evidence. If I call on the name of Jesus, hoping for anything in life, I have a good reason to do so. My faith is not blind. It is reasonable because I am persuaded by relevant evidence of what Jesus has done or is able to do. However, Christians must understand that not all people in this world will come to faith through unseen evidence. So that if a person requests for unseen ev seen evidence, we don't label them as skeptic or they are going to go to hell because they don't believe. Some will require seen or material evidence to come to faith. Jesus did miracles to move people 
from material evidence to himself. Now, Jesus is not with us, so his name has been given to us. There is no name by which we shall be saved other than the name of Jesus. So now he is our immaterial evidence. But in the day of Jesus, he did tangible miracles so people could see physically and then by that move the people to himself and immaterial evidence which is happening in our day. So Jesus told his doubters, if you don't believe me, believe in the works I do. And this is John 10, 38. Whenever we are unable to explain faith well to unbelievers, they think we're being unreasonable. Because we're telling them to believe in something they have no good reason to believe in or something that they really want as to show an evidence. Because that's what the Bible said. Faith is evidence. But some Christians remove the word evidence and say you don't need anything. Just go with it. This will cause them to remain in doubt or unbelief. So our inability to properly explain faith actually give unbelievers a good reason to remain in doubt. Now the second reason why there is a gap between faith and doubt is disenchantment. The gap between faith and doubt is wider today because of what philosophers call disenchantment. This simply means in the past, we lived in an enchanted world. An enchanted world is one full of spirits, powers, demons, and our forebears recognize all these things. They recognize that the world was enchanted because of the nature and magnificence of trees, rocks, caves, and other things they saw. For some of our forefathers, they will go to mountaintops, high places, they will go to bushes and pray because they felt that the environment carried a certain supernatural presence. In the days before compass or map quests, our forefathers had to trust that they will be able to get to their destination safely. The guards will guide them home. The guards will protect them on their way. Some way, somehow, they will get home safely. And so because of the supernatural presence in their day, it was unthinkable for anyone to claim there was no God back in the day. Why? Because our forefathers heavily depended on the supernatural. They could sense God everywhere throughout creation. However, this world began to gradually disappear. The process of this disappearance is what is called disenchantment. The way this wonder world began to disappear was through scientific advancement and technology. We have been so disenchanted to the extent that today, Christianity is not the default religion in the West. Not only is it not the default religion, but people also actually think to be a Christian is a bad idea because Christianity is oppressive. This disenchantment happened between the 1500s and the 2000s. 
Today, we are talking about artificial intelligence. You know, when our forefathers had to get from one destination to the other, they knew that they'll be able to get there because of the presence around them. In the enchanted world, the supernatural had direct influence on man. They could soak in the presence of God as it were. Finding meaning was dependent on social connectedness. There were standards in society. People depended on family, society, and their religion. The idea of me and the self, as we see on social media today, was not the case back then. All this has been broken by scientific revolution and humanism. Because now, if I have to travel somewhere, all I need is a GPS that is faster than what they had before. So as I have GPS, now we have artificial intelligence coming up. As we have all these things, making life comfortable and convenient, we lose the sense of that supernatural dependence. And gradually, with this technological advancement, we have disenchanted our world, as it were. There is a constant effort to get rid of God from all our institutions and social spaces. Man has come of age, they say, and is capable of deciding what is best. Because of the widened gap between faith and doubt, some have concluded that religion is a thing of the past. We don't need religion. It is part of our problems. It is true that religion has caused some difficulties, some challenges, and the church ought to repent for that. However, the bloodshed we have encountered in this last century is worse than all the centuries before it put together. The wars we fought, the bombs we've dropped, the mass killings, the shootings, nations rising against nations, all of that in the last century put together is greater and worse than the ones before. So religions have caused some problems, but man has caused more problems outside of religion than through religion. One must be true to himself, they say. And this is called the age of authenticity. Being true to yourself. Living the life that you wish. Being in touch with your own emotions and feelings. You have to be you. You don't have to worry about the group. You don't have to worry about community. You don't have to worry about society. But you have to look inside. You have to take a turn within. And this is what makes you authentic. However, you'll be surprised to know that even in the age of being true to yourself, religion and spirituality plays a predominant role. Some may leave their traditional religious setup, but then they will turn into another kind of religion. It may not be religion in the deep sense of the word, but in a certain sense, it is religious because of how human beings are wired and conditioned 
by the creator. So religion and spirituality will play predominant role because human beings are inherently spiritual. We will leave one traditional religious institution, but then we'll quickly get into a new type. That is why today all kinds of people are looking in different kinds of places. Some are looking online. Some are looking from the gyms. Some are going to CrossFit. Others are going to all kinds of gatherings just because they will find connectedness, they will find meaning, and they will find purpose. We are being religious in a sense in our search. In our next episode, my guest will be Dr. Alison Norton, who teaches courses in sociology of religion. Thank you for joining us on our first ever episode of the Unsettled Podcast. Remember to subscribe and follow us on social media. This podcast is available on all platforms, on YouTube, and on our website, liveunsettled.org. I am Martin Yanzu. Until next time, God bless you.